0: Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 17, um, verses 11 to 19, and you can find it on page 1051 of the Church Bibles in the seats in front of you, page 1051. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Rise and go, your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: So, this Mothering Sunday, let's talk about saying thank you. Mother's Day is a day to say thank you to mums. Some of you can say thank you to your mum today, some of you can say thank you to someone else's mum today, Uh, perhaps your wife, perhaps your daughter, perhaps another mother figure that you know. For those of us who can't speak to our mums today, we can say thank you to God for the things we learned from them, both positively and negatively. For those of you who will be fortunate enough to be in the room with your mum today, there will probably be some evidence that you are thankful to them. A card, maybe, or... A gift, maybe something smelly, maybe some flowers, uh, something nice to eat or drink. You might consume a meal together. You might go to the pub or to a restaurant if you're sufficiently prepared that you book the table shortly after Christmas. <laughs> now, last week in our church life was Vision Sunday. We spent time thinking about who we are as a church and where we are in our life together. Now, this week we're thinking about stewardship. And I've given myself the lovely job of drawing together uh, Mothering Sunday, stewardship and vision. Uh, Just a nice little challenge there. But stewardship is about how you look after all the gifts, skills and resources that God has given you. We're going to make the connection between gratitude and giving. And I just want to put it out there now that we are going to be talking mainly about money. So I realise that's a sensitive and awkward subject to talk about. I'm just getting it out there that that's where we're going this morning. Because our Bible reading from Luke 17, it was there on page 1051, which I hope you've got open in front of you. Just opening it here. Uh, Luke 17, 1051 is a challenge to be thankful for what God gives. Now, Jesus, verse 11, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. The second half of Luke's gospel is all about Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. We arrive in two weeks' time, actually, on Palm Sunday. Verse 12, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Now, the Greek word for leprosy means any skin disease that would render you unclean. So these men stand at a distance. They would have lived outside the village, they would be shunned by society. Verse 13, they called out in a loud voice Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Do you see they recognize Jesus as somebody who is in charge? Master also as somebody who can heal them miraculously. Otherwise, what on earth are they doing crying out to him? So he says, verse 14, go, show yourselves to the priests. Now, the way back to society for someone healed from a skin disease was to be certified clean by a priest. But a person who had a skin disease wouldn't be able to go and see a priest Because for a start, they'd be traveling to a synagogue, too close to other people, putting clean people at risk. But also then, when they get to see the priest, they make the priest unclean. So when the men turn around to go to the synagogue, they are demonstrating their faith that Jesus will heal them. And so, verse 14, the end of that verse, as they went, they were cleansed. Well, so far, so good. Ten diseased men are better. What happens next? And what on earth has this got to do with mums? Because there isn't a single mum in this passage that I can spot. Verse 15. One of them, when he was healed, came back. When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. We don't know whether he did this after before he went to see the priest or after he saw the priest, just that he knew that he had been made well miraculously. So, he's on the floor at Jesus' feet, shouting out praises to God and thanking Jesus for healing him. And here's the thing, end of verse 16, who is he? He's a Samaritan. Someone the Jews hated and looked down on. This man is a double outsider. He's a Samaritan and he has a skin disease. He's a bit like the woman at the well, so the woman who Jesus meets in John 4. She's a triple outsider. She's a Samaritan and a woman and an adulterer, so fearful of other people that she goes to draw water at the hottest part of the day when anyone's sensible would be indoors and she meets Jesus and he sees everything about her so Jesus looks down at this double outsider in front of him who's shouting out his praises and thanks and he asks verse 17 we're not all cleansed where are the other nine has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner touchy This is Jesus at his most prickly, isn't it? You know, your welcome would have been okay. Where are the others? Nine out of ten men have been healed. They've happily gone on their way to be declared clean by the priest and to go and live their normal lives. Maybe they've gone to the pub, if they can get in on Mother's Day. Verse 19, then he said to them, rise and go, your faith." has made you well. So the very act of turning to go to see the priest was the evidence that the men had faith in Jesus. And the act of coming back to say thank you is evidence that the Samaritan man is grateful. Which begs the question, how grateful are you for what God has done for you? Because Jesus is making the point that he can do something absolutely miraculous for 10 people, and only one is gonna come back and say thank you. I'd like to think that that would be me, but this story rather suggests there's a 90% chance that it wouldn't. So let's make that connection then between gratitude and giving. Think just for a minute about what Jesus has done for you. Forgiveness for the things you've done wrong. Being put in a level place in life. I'm just going to give you a minute's quiet and just name to God some of the things that he's given you. Now I'm willing to, I'm not a betting man, but I'm willing to put money on the idea that all of you had something that you were thinking about just then. Now think about what this church community means to you. For some of you this might be your first Sunday with us and you're so welcome. Others of you have been here for longer than some people in the room have been alive. And at this stage in the sermon you would be forgiven if you're feeling your age. Now. Jesus suggests that if you're grateful to him for what he's given you, there might be some evidence of that. But the nine men who didn't come back tell us that most people do not say thank you. Now, if you are uh, thankful to Jesus, I wonder what evidence there is for that thankfulness in your life. Would that evidence stand up in court? Well, uh, what you've all got in your favour is 60 or 70 witnesses who saw you come to church this morning, so that's a good start, isn't it? It's very easy here in leafy Surrey to look at what you don't have. You know, you can go and take a walk around Hook Heath, and there's always someone who's got a lot more than you, I can tell you. Think about what it would mean to foster an attitude of gratitude in your life. I know that's a cheesy phrase, I'm sorry. But to say thank you to God at least as much, just as much, as you ask him for things. And when you've asked him for things and he gives them to you, be good at saying thank you. Now, spoiler alert, we've reached the point in the sermon where I'm going to talk about money. So uh, this might be a time to look down awkwardly and think, gosh, this vicar never stops talking about money. Uh, Perhaps write your complaint now. No, it's all right. Jesus was very interested in money, so I'm not going to apologize for talking about it. He talked about it more than almost any other subject. We've had a budget this week. I lose track of whether it's a budget or a fiscal event, and I'm not really sure I know the difference. How our government spends its money says a lot about its priorities. In fact, how any organisation spends its money says a lot about its priorities. How St Mary of Bethany Church spends its money says a lot about its priorities. And how you spend your money says a lot about your priorities. So, if I was to get your bank statement in front of me, and don't worry, I'm not going to go quite that far this morning, I would be able to see what your priorities in life are. In the Old Testament, God's people were given the principle of a tithe. God expected them to give 10% of their income to him. And that's a good place to start, just the principle of a percentage of your income going to God's work, ideally straight away when you get paid. That way, you're not scrabbling around at the end of the month to give God what's left over. Because God doesn't want what's left over, He wants your first and your best. Now, don't hear me wrong here. Giving money to St. Mary of Bethany Church doesn't have to be the totality of what you give to God's work. But I do suggest as your pastor and as the leader here that your local church deserves the biggest share of what you give. It costs about £1,000 a day to run this church, And almost all of that income is given really generously by our members. So thank you, because all of you give that money. We get no income from the Church of England. We get nothing from the government. And when I talk to people about this, they're quite surprised very often that that's the case. But friends, the money you give to St. Mary of Bethany Church is a fantastic investment You are investing in what? God's transforming work in our parish. Work with people at every age and stage of life and faith, from the youngest baby to the most senior adult. When you invest in us, you are investing in community, in transforming relationships, in helping people on their journey towards Jesus. When we employ staff to help us, a new associate vicar, a young people's and families coordinator, we need to make sure we've got enough regular income to sustain these roles over time. The reason I haven't stood up and talked, or we haven't been talking a lot up up at the front about giving uh, in this last year or so since we last did this, is because we've been working to get our costs in check. Because when we looked had a really hard-headed look at our finances last year this time last year we couldn't afford what we were doing and it's been a painful process hasn't it to get to where we are now but we're confident that we're, what we've been doing what God's been calling us to do some people can afford to give a lot some people can afford to give a little So regular gifts work for us, whether it's a lot or a little. The parish giving scheme, I have a little pack like this. These sit just near our front door as you're going out. If you've never seen one of these, I'd love to give you one afterwards. The parish giving scheme is the best system we have. It's what works best for us. They'll set you up a direct debit, uh, which which you can tick a box, and it'll increase by the rate of inflation every year. So you don't have to worry about it. If that's roughly what happens with your income, then that's great. But whatever happens with your income, a lot of us have seen incomes decline in the last few years. Adjust your giving accordingly. Uh, You have heard me say this morning, friends, it can go down as well as up. It's fine because what you have to give changes over time. Some people have more time than money to give. And that's great. That's part of our stewardship, isn't it? Because this church, like every church, wouldn't be able to do a thing without the army of people serving others really sacrificially with their time. And while I'm here, think about your legacy as well. What will you leave behind for other people? because over the last year, we've seen several really substantial legacies from people's wills, and that makes a really big difference. Now, sometimes these are done in confidence. One of the ones that isn't in confidence that I am quite free to tell you about uh, is a set of people who made a very big difference in people's lives here, Malcolm and Marion Bolton. One of their legacies is the fact that you are sitting facing this way, and not sitting facing that way, because it was Malcolm who was instrumental in reordering the church in the 1990s. Their financial legacy ensures that they continue to give to the work in a way that will impact people long after their deaths, because they specified that they wanted some of that to go towards our building, and the project that we're developing re, re- Imagining some of that side and that side. And that's quite apart from the many hundreds of lives they impacted in their years at this church. I mean, what a legacy that is. The Samaritan man cured of leprosy showed his gratitude by praising God and throwing himself at Jesus's feet. This morning, I am grateful for my mum, for all the good things and all the bad things that I got from her, and heaven knows there are both of those in my life. I'm grateful for the many faithful women who have been mothers to me in my faith as well, and some of you are in this building this morning. They have all been members of the Church of Christ in its many different branches. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul talks about the grace of giving. I am not asking you to do anything that is not a grace from God, who gives us overflowing generosity in so many ways. Spend this week reflecting on how you can show God's generosity, that radical, transforming generosity, as one of his transforming people. Let's pray. Just spend a moment with the Holy Spirit, thinking about where this bites for you. Lord, may the way we use our time, talents, gifts and money show the world that you love people so much that you sent your son to die for us. Make us people of radical generosity in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.